is simple. Shipping, logistics, capacity, access. We are connecting America's heartland to the rest of the world. It's not just about shipping. It's a story about how we're constantly innovating, how we move our products around the world. Cleveland is a port city. We've always been a port city. This is Great Lakes Forward. So I want to welcome everyone to this episode of Great Lakes Forward. I'm Jay Davis, Vice President of External Affairs here at the Port of Cleveland. And I want to welcome Scott Brenner, EVP of Corporate Development at Omnitrax to our show. Just for those who don't know, Omnitrax is one of the fastest growing and largest privately held rail central transportation and logistics services in North America. It's an affiliate of the Bro Group and our short line railroad providing all switching services here at the Port of Cleveland. And with that, I want to welcome Scott, and we're happy to have you here on our podcast, Great Lakes Forward. Well, thank you, Jade. I appreciate you inviting us to this. And as we've discussed in previous conversations, it was great last year jumping into the process and, and, and figuring out a couple new acquisitions in the Ohio area. We've been there for in, in the area for over 20 years, but we're very interested in growing our presence. And, and we, we love the, the community, the culture of Ohio. and It fits well with the, the family background we have at our own company. You know, along those lines, tell us about your role at Omnitrax and a little bit about your background as well. Well, Jade, I joined Omnitrax about three years ago myself as Executive Vice President of Corporate Development and Strategic Accounts for Omnitrax. My mission is really to identify, develop, and execute opportunities to create, grow, and continually enhance valuable strategic relationships with our customers and other partners of Omnitrax and to identify and pursue new investment and acquisition opportunities that will result in continued growth and expansion of the Omnitrax network and our capabilities. Before joining Omnitrax, I spent about 13 years in the investment banking world working for A.G. Edwards, Wachovia, Wells Fargo, and finally Raymond James for the last nine years. As an investment banker, I covered almost exclusively the transportation industry including class one railroads, short line railroads, trucking companies, logistics companies, air freight companies, and several other related subsectors. Over that time period, I advised companies on acquisitions, executed numerous company sale assignments, and completed many public and private equity and debt offerings. Before jumping out into the professional world, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. I spent a considerable time in Ohio, though. I earned my undergraduate degree in finance and accounting and a master's in accounting from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. When I'm not working, I enjoy golfing, running, biking, skiing, reading, and spending time with my wife, Michelle, my two boys, Parker and Pierce, and my daughter, Alita. I really appreciate you sharing that. Glad to have you back here in Ohio, interacting here at the Port of Cleveland and representing Omnitrack, many of the day-to-day things that happen here at the Port of Cleveland, whether we're talking with you via Zoom or conference call, or if you're at our board meeting there in our downtown offices on the lake, we really appreciate that. And just having that perspective of investment and how to move the ball forward and move the needle forward. That's sort of what we're doing even here with this podcast, Great Lakes Forward. 
And yes, I did just do that on purpose. We like companies like Omnitrack being here at the Port of Cleveland because you guys are in growth mode, clearly, especially with your background in, in investment banking, you know all about growth and moving forward. But here at the Port of Cleveland, we're looking at growth mode, and not just, just for the Port of Cleveland, but the entire Great Lakes maritime system, whether it's environmental, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's regulatory, and things like that. Anything we can do to lessen the impact of our operations, but also improve efficiency and grow the operation. And this rail industry is a critical link in overall supply chain to do those things. So Scott, can you speak a little bit about the significance of the first and last mile of that supply chain, which here at the Port of Cleveland, Omnitrack is critical in that first and last mile? Sure, Jade. As a banker for probably the last 10 years of my life, the terms of first mile and last mile became very, very important keywords that you heard a lot about. I mean, that, that first mile and last mile is really what is the guy who's touching the customer day in and day out and the customer's customer at the end of the route. Rail is really the only choice for transporting certain cargoes and is the best choice for moving a lot of additional commodities. In many cases, this is because of the bulky nature of such items, but is also due to the efficiency of moving hundreds of tons of cargo thousands of miles with very few people. As a short line, in many cases, we think of ourselves as the first mile and last mile solution provider. We are often the face of the railroad to the customer. Our railroads are often responsible for helping the shipper dispatch and helping the customer receive the cargo, with the class one railroad shipping the cars over longer distance at high speeds. These first and last stages, as you said, are critical because they establish the performance of the entire supply chain. We try our best to optimize operations through accurate resource allocation, matching skills with required tasks, accurate communications, and customer engagement at every level of the supply chain. Much easier said than done. That first and last mile was so critical. And prior to me coming to the Port of Cleveland, I was on K Street focusing on coal and electricity issues. And so when I brought that expertise back home here at the Port of Cleveland, because you know, I was actually born and raised in Cleveland, and having the opportunity to come home and sort of help in the economic development and the logistics industry here with that sort of government affairs expertise, I was absolutely shocked at how critical the first and last mile. Of, of the transportation network is. You have all these roads, you have all these rail lines, you have all these ports, and if you can't get something to and from the ship, to and from the rail yard, to and from the airport, you can't get it to and from the customer, to the producer, the supplier, because of just that little bottleneck there, it could just throw off everything and move the cargo completely uneconomic. So some of the things that Omnitrax is, is working on from everything from infrastructure, efficiency of movement is absolutely critical. And I want to make sure that point is getting across here on this podcast today. And speaking of that, when we talk about products and first and last mile, what kind of products are typically shipped by rail? And can you explain what role does those products play in the American economy, especially when we're talking about the current COVID issues and, and pandemic right now and how moving products and shipping products is, is really critical to American life? I think Americans are actually paying attention to it more now when they go and see, rather than a whole roll of Lysol having three in there and you can only buy one. 
Yeah, Jade, I think you're completely correct. I think even today in the last two months, we've understood what has changed in supply chains over the last decade or two and how supply chains are changing right now under our eyes, right under our noses today. The railroads carry everything from corn, wheat, soybeans, animal feed, flour, frozen chickens, beer, and other food products to feed our country and our animals. Obviously, those items are moving and continue to move with great importance during COVID, just as they did before. We also transport fertilizers and other chemicals that go to agribusinesses and manufacturing industries. We carry cement, sand, and crushed stone for highways and streets, along with finished autos and auto parts. We move crude oil, liquefied gases, and other petroleum products and paper products and much more. So as you said, before COVID and during COVID, uh, you can see how important the railroads become, and that, especially that first mile and last mile. With, with store shelves empty, our railroads in many cases have been busier than ever and more important than ever in these supply chains. I think over time yeah. we've all seen how just in time has been, you know, a key word that we've heard for a couple of decades now. Reducing inventories to the minimum has been a big part of, I think, the supply chain world for the last couple of decades. But seeing mm -hmm. what happened in COVID-19, it could be interesting to see a little bit of JIT and inventory theories or, you know, do, do they change given what happened in the last couple of months? Specifically, to mention what happens in northern Ohio with Cleveland and, and all of our railroads in Cleveland and the port, we see a lot of you know, a lot of movement of steel and other metal products. We move iron ore and scrap metal for steel making. We see a lot of liquid and dry bulk products, pipe, plastic, plastic pellets, and other construction products moving through the Midwest and the Ohio region. And all those things you mentioned, you hear pipe or scrap and things like that, and you think, okay, well, I'm not moving that. Those things are what goes and makes the can for the Lysol. Those things are what goes and makes the fender for your car. Those things are what is made for the brake replacement when you're getting your, your, your new brakes put on your front end of your car as well. And so the interconnectedness of all this is just critical. And on the, along the lines of interconnectivity, for our audience that may not be aware, Omnitrax is headquartered in Denver, Colorado. And last year, the Port of Cleveland Omnitrax entered into a partnership via Omnitrax acquiring the Cleveland Commercial Railroad and its wholly owned subsidiary and the Cleveland Harbor Belt Railroad as well. Again, Cleveland Harbor Belt Railroad and the Commercial Railroad, short line, a lot of stuff that operates in and out of Fort Cleveland. Can you just give us a little bit of insight of that Midwest market expansion, and especially here in Cleveland and the Great Lakes? Sure, Jade. I don't mean to add any complexity here, but an interesting thing to throw out there, I think, is you know they, they, the railroad known as Cleveland Commercial Railroad, we decided it, it may be a little more appropriate or, or fit the community a little better and, and change the name. And, and we are starting to, to refer to that as the Cleveland and Cuyahoga Railway and the Cleveland Harbor mm -hmm. Belt Railroad. We, we wanted to make sure that connectedness to the port and the maritime industry was very clear. So we actually are now, we, we now refer to that as the Cleveland Port Railway. So that's kind of, even though they'll have the same kind of four letter, three letter symbols, those are the two names that we're using. But to move on with what you asked, the Omnitrack organization has been growing at an average annual rate of more than 20% for the past five years or so. Before these two acquisitions last year, 
We already owned the Northern Ohio and Western Railway and Southeast Toledo and the Newburgh and South Shore Railroad in Cleveland. The acquisition of CCRL and CHB offered us the opportunity to strengthen our presence in the Ohio community and to expand the valuable network that makes us such an important part of our customers' supply chain. We've always recognized the value of using multimodal transportation networks to design and operate the most cost-effective, efficient supply chains. There are many products and customers that can benefit when rail and maritime can seamlessly be brought together in the supply chain. A couple of examples of us recently successfully combining rail with maritime operations include managing and operating the railroad at the port of Brownsville in South Texas, which we've done since 2014 and serving as the master developer of a new dual class one rail served industrial park that will have a significant tie in to the port of Savannah in Georgia, which we have done since mm -hmm. 2016. We work very closely with our port and economic development agency partners in these locations to bring development, jobs, and industry to these communities. In Brownsville, we've been instrumental in attracting the likes of Big River Steel to the area. Big River Steel has publicly announced that they are considering building their second multi-billion dollar high-tech steel mill at the port of Brownsville. In Savannah, A&R Logistics, one of the country's leading provider of logistics and supply chain services to the plastic industry, recently committed to building a 1 million square foot build-to-suit plastic pellet packaging operation focused on future exports from Port of Savannah at our new industrial park located in that region. We expect the partnership with the Port of Cleveland will be another example of the success Omnitrax and its partners have achieved when rail and maritime work together. I love how that interconnectedness and, and even talking about what you guys are doing here and how that also relates to Port like Savannah, which is growing at a tremendous clip as well. I've actually been there to that port prior to my even working here at the Port of Cleveland and was shocked at just the amount of ships that were coming up the Savannah River, which is not exactly close to the ocean either. And so that was always eye-opening to me. But looking at your presence here, the Port of Cleveland being where we are, we're sort of the first major port in the Great Lakes, especially on the American side here, and the last port out on the American side, as well as you go into the Seaway, the last major port. When you look at that, can you talk about how business has changed or been thus far since the acquisition of your arrival here directly on the port, given your other assets here in the northern Ohio area? So as mentioned before, Omnitrex has operated in Ohio for more than two decades. We've got the, the Newburgh and South Shore Railroad in Cleveland and the Northern Ohio and Western Railway in Toledo. We think that the Midwest and Ohio specifically are aggressive pro-business, pro-development communities that share many of the same values that we have at Omnitrex and the Grow Group. We think the Midwest and Ohio represent areas that will grow and prosper for many years into the future. Manufacturing and distribution have always been and always will be strong in the Midwest. Many of our existing customers and their customers too have significant supply chain needs and demands in the region. Adding Cleveland and Cuyahoga and Cleveland Port Railway to our existing nationwide network 
will improve our ability to service the needs of these shippers and receivers and allow us to continue to help in the Ohio communities. These shippers look to companies like Omnitrex to help them design and operate the most efficient supply chains possible. And Cleveland and Cuyahoga and Cleveland Port bolster the value that can be provided by the Omnitrex network. That value is something that I think is critical. I mean, we all know we're, we're all in transportation and logistics and, and freight flows to the path of least resistance. And so everything we can do to lower that resistance, whether it's making sure we have adequate roads, making sure we have adequate rails, first mile, last mile connection, the proper equipment to safely and efficiently lift and move cargo to and from ships and things like that is going to be just critical as we go forward here in the Great Lake. We're just not the only Great Lake port, just looking at those kind of things as we progress into the 21st century. But even in the post-COVID world, and if we have more onshoring and things like that, getting raw materials, getting products in and out of the country is going to become even more critical to business success. That's just what we see coming down the line. Switching gears just a little bit, one thing a lot of folks may not know is that maritime shipping and shipping via rail are some of the most efficient and safest ways to move goods across the country. From a maritime perspective, 99% 99% of cargoes moved on the Great Lakes are accident-free and moving these large quantities of goods, both domestically and internationally, is very efficient. Scott, in your opinion, why is rail and how Omnitrack operates so efficient and safe and provides your customers an added benefit? Well, I think we are seeing a, a very strong demand for turnkey transloading, supply chain, and logistics services across the entire North American supply chain network and the entire Omnitrax supply chain network of affiliated railroads and beyond. Our customers recognize the value of an integrated supply chain solution, one that combines marine, rail, truck, transloading and terminal services, storage solutions where necessary, and first mile, last mile options. As As you've mentioned, the interconnectedness of all modes of, of transportation and all parts of the supply chain has just become so tight, so interconnected that any real stumble can can affect things for a long time and really cause trouble in, in any customer supply chain. We've built here at Omnitrax what we believe is the best rail-centric team in the logistics supply chain industry over the last five to 10 years. And most railroad companies, you will find railroad people and that's really what you'll find at Omnitrax mm-hmm. we have intentionally built at, at Omnitrax we built intentionally a team of people with valuable diverse backgrounds some people have decades of experience in short line and class one railroading other people have decades of experience in designing and building multimodal supply chains others have spent time in trucking and other transportation and logistics sectors Finally, many people in our have deep expertise in both real estate development and economic development. As a result, Omnitrax has built the only rail-centric, full, multimodal supply chain logistics company in the country with the added benefit of real estate development expertise. By having this highly diversified collection of experts focused on the entire supply chain, Omnitrax is able to make rail easy for customers while driving supply chain and process innovation throughout our operations and the customer supply chain. 
We want to be the best supply chain transportation services company in North America, not just the best railroad company in North America. We want to provide end-to-end -end logistics services, including supply chain and facility development and first mile and last mile transfers for all suitable commodities and all finished products that make sense. We're accomplishing this by making rail easier for our customers because it hasn't always been the easiest industry to work with. We're also attracting new industries that haven't traditionally used rail and working with others to try to fit rail in more often, expanding the role we play at companies currently using the railroads. That diversity of experience and things like that has been critical for us here at the Port of Cleveland, especially in, during 2020. I come out of a, a non-maritime background prior to my role here and, and bringing that expertise as far as public policy and how we're going to how we're going to react to probable government decisions and regulations and things like that has been critical but we have the people who are also coming from trucking and looking at how those things may impact their environment and also people coming from sales and things like that those kind of aspects of trust me having all those things at the table when tough decisions have to be made when strategic decisions and planning have to be executed is it's absolutely critical and so we're glad to have that i know in our interactions with omnitrack we've often had this collaborative spirit and it's been great and allowed us to be able to kick off a strong start to the partnership as well here and also bringing that, again, highlighting these things for the Great Lakes and, and the maritime economy in this region is absolutely critical for just all the lakes and all the, the, the people that work here as well. We recently saw that 10 of the railroads operated by Omnitrack earned safety commendations from the American Short Line and Regional Railroad Association for 2019. Tell us about that and that, and that safety role and why safety is so critical in, in your organization and how you guys operate. Yeah, you're, you're right on. At, uh, in, in the railroad industry, safe railroads don't happen by accident. Everything we do at Omnitrack really does start and stop with safety. Our executive leadership team is committed to having a safety culture that permeates the organization and champions training, process development, and education programs that have long-term results. We developed an acronym to represent our core values several years ago. It spells out the word SHORT. And as you can notice, the first letter of that S at the front end stands for safety. It is the number one priority. Our safety program is positioned to incentivize employees to do the right things and to have them so engaged that they're bringing innovative ideas to the management team. We practice what we preach at every meeting, which starts with a 10-point safety check. Even meetings inside headquarters with the admin staff or the management team or any personnel that aren't even near the railroad at the time of the meeting. We start with that safety check meeting. Our safety tagline is see tomorrow, own safety today, and we mean it. We watch each other's backs to make sure everyone goes home in the same condition as they arrive. That is gonna be absolutely critical. Again, we always think of it here at the Port of Cleveland as our social license and the safety of our uh, ILA membership and things that Logistech is doing on our, our dock and there are dock, our terminal operator, is critical. But safety as far as accidents in and out of port with shipping and things like that, we, we never want to give the public a reason to think that maybe the things we bring to the table, to the community, to the state, 
to the region may not be worth the cost. And so one thing that we always try to do is you're right, accidents aren't stopped by accident, very intentional. And so, you know, we're glad to have another partner that is very much thinking intentionally about those things. So Scott, just to wrap up, is there anything else you want to highlight about Omnitrack or possibly give a shout out to you guys' social media channels or any other recent good news for the company? Sure. I appreciate this. Great spending some time with you today. We're very excited about this new partnership with the port. We are in the early innings here. We've had a lot of great meetings that included Omnitrack's personnel, David Gutile, and the rest of your management team and members of the Port of Cleveland and Frank Vanelli and Jay Baird and other senior members of Logistech, your on-dock Stevedore services provider. And I think we've already got one or two opportunities closed or close to closing. And, you know, COVID may slow us down just a bit, but I think there's a lot of great discussions going on. Um, just in final closing, though, Omnitrax, as I think we've shown, is, is a family-owned company started by a first-generation entrepreneur named Pat Pro over 30 years ago. The family-focused feel really shines through everything we do. Our company's purpose is growing American communities. Our focus on people, customers, and communities is something we take great pride in. Omnitrax is a very unique company. We think our special combination of railroad, supply chain, transportation, logistics, and real estate development expertise allows us to offer something truly special and differentiated to the market. We believe recent improvements in the capabilities of technology will allow shippers to incorporate rail into their supply chains more often and more efficiently and cost-effectively in the coming future. Our owner and our entire team at Omnitrax believes it is the responsibility of every person and every company to constantly work to improve the condition of our planet. We constantly try to be a green company and look for ways to reduce our overall carbon footprint. We offer customers the ability to achieve their own sustainability goals by reducing environmental impacts across the supply chain while saving money by collaborating with Omnitrax on innovative projects with positive impact. We would love to talk to anyone that wants to learn more about using rail or siting their facilities and their supply chains on a railroad or near a railroad anytime. My colleagues and I would be happy to entertain discussions if that were of interest. We're glad to have you guys here in the Great Lakes. We're glad to have you here at the Port of Cleveland. And uh, as we move forward, we're uh, glad to have you part of our growth. And we look forward to other good news from Omni Track. Please do not hesitate to tag up at our social media channels as well at Port of Cleveland and at Great Lakes Forward, pretty much everywhere on LinkedIn and everything as well. So I really appreciate that. Thanks a lot for taking the time out, Scott. And I know you're there in Denver, so make sure you definitely get out there and get some mountain biking and some good golf. Look forward to seeing you again here in Cleveland. Yeah, hopefully we'll be there soon again. Jada, again, myself, my, my company, my owner, we all appreciate you guys giving us this time to talk about Omnitrax and, and the partnership of joining with Port of Cleveland. And we look forward to many years of success and growth to come. I'm Jay Davis here with President and CEO of the Port of Cleveland, William Friedman. Will, thanks for coming back and thanks for giving us this time to sort of give us a big view of what's going on out here. It's great to be back, Jade. 
Great to have you back. Let's get into it. We're going to talk a little bit about containerization and shipping. Given everything that's going on now, I think we need to give our audience a little bit of history of containerization and sort of, you know, where have we been in the last 50 years of containerization in the shipping industry? I love talking about containerization and, and shipping and uh, where we might be going. Containerization and, and intermodalism, which are used kind of synonymously, have been around for all roughly 60 years or so. It all started with a guy named Malcolm McLean, who was in the trucking business on the East Coast. And in 1956, he had the idea to put some uh, steel containers, shipping containers, on the deck of a bulk freighter and go from New York, New Jersey Harbor to Texas, to Houston. And that's generally considered the origin story for containerization. He turned his company into a company called Sealand, which lasted for quite a while. And um, as things progressed and containerization caught on, he started to get into international shipping in the 60s, the 1960s between Europe and the U.S. And then really every trade lane, you know, globally adopted container shipping. It really became ubiquitous. And, and today we've got 90, 95% of global trade is packed into shipping containers and moved just about anywhere in the world. There's been a lot of good books written for those who really want to dive into this subject. Um, but without question, the steel shipping container, which you can move without tampering with the goods inside from a ship to a truck to a train has changed you know the way we move goods around the world and really enabled globalization so that's a short history of a big subject it's, it's interesting though how when we look at containerization and how it, it sort of just came together as a way of streamlining everything not just coast to coast, but even, you know, when you start looking at worldwide and how that sort of coincided with this tremendous uptick in shipping. And I think this is the thing that us in the Great Lakes region sort of missed, this large uptick in containerization and things like that for various reasons. Some of it geographical, but, but most of it, it was just a, a infrastructure issue of getting cargo up and down the, the St. Lawrence Seaway and into the Great Lakes. And so when you look at this, and we talk about the intermodal region and the Great Lakes. When did we get the first containers transported through the St. Lawrence Seaway and the Great Lakes system? You know, is this something relatively new or is this something that we, we've sort of had fits and stops and starts for? So the Great Lakes, St. Lawrence Seaway, the Seaway opened in 1959, and that was kind of right at the dawn of, of containerization. And there was container shipping in and out of the Great Lakes from the earliest times of the industry on you know in the 1960s and in and it survived into the 1970s and you can look up the old schedules of liner companies liner shipping companies that came into the great lakes and there were quite a few it all faded out though when the industry really took off and started to pursue relentlessly economies of scale the ships started getting bigger and bigger and bigger because as you made the ship bigger and you could put more containers on it, then you reduced the slot cost or the cost for a container to, to, to move it. And so that kind of left the Great Lakes out because we have 
of course, the locks of the St. Lawrence Seaway, which move the ships up and down the St. Lawrence River, bypassing sections that have rapids that aren't navigable, and then, of course, bypassing the Niagara Falls on, on what's called the Welland Canal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that limited the size of the ships, and the shipping companies, the vessel owner companies, lost interest in the Great Lakes for that reason. And on top of the limitations on ship size, we also had the closure in the winter. St. Lawrence Seaway closes down for, you know, basically the winter time. So th those two things really spelled the end of container shipping, scheduled liner shipping on the Great Lakes. And probably by the late 70s, mid 70s, it was all gone. And nobody's really been successful in bringing it back until we at the Port of Cleveland started the Cleveland Europe Express, which admittedly is on a small scale, but it did reestablish containerized liner shipping on the Great Lakes for the first time in, in decades. So there certainly is the potential for more of it. And you know, we're determined to try to make it grow here at the port. But it's going to be a different sort of business model than what you see today throughout mm -hmm. most of the high volume trade lanes like the transatlantic, you know, Europe to the East Coast with, with very large ships. In the Great Lakes, you know, we would see smaller ships, smaller volumes, and a more customized service that can still have a lot of value to the customer. And it also can be more sustainable and it can be a greener service. And I think you know, decarbonization is going to play a bigger and bigger role in shipping in the, in the future. And I think we're going to be well positioned as that becomes a bigger factor. And when you say like a sort of different business model, because look, when people think of containers and, and ships, they think of these large, large mega ships that you can, you, you see if you're landing in LAX or if you're, you're landing at JFK or LaGuardia or, or something like that, or if you're, you're you're down by the harbor in Baltimore. Will it be that kind of model given the restrictions of the St. Lawrence Seaway from the, the lock size? Or is it going to be a completely different kind of way to think about how we move containers efficiently and economically here in the Great Lakes region? Yeah, it'll it'll be different than the line hub and spoke that we see with with the big ships. It'll be a lot different. It'll be more like what you see in Europe and in parts of Asia today that goes by a number of different names, short sea shipping, feedering, these sorts of services, inland shipping, coastal shipping, where you have vessels that are smaller, more nimble, and they're really suited to whatever the geography is and whatever the limitations are of the inland waterways or coastal waterways that they're serving. And in Europe, if you, if for listeners who maybe had a chance to see the Rhine system or be up in the Baltic or parts of Germany, the inland waterway systems in Germany, in the Mediterranean, you have such a wonderful variety of ships. You know, you see these barges on the inland waterway system that are quite small, maybe only hold 100 containers or so. They're very low slung, so they can fit under these ancient bridges, but they work really really well they're very efficient and they and they take a lot of pressure off the highway and the rail networks in europe so if you have the right regulatory framework then you know you're going to see innovation and you're going to see that kind of thing blossoming here i believe 
in the US. The regulatory environment is key and we haven't had a very efficient and inviting regulatory framework so that people who want to invest the capital and start these, these businesses you know, are, are motivated to jump in. So those things have to change, but, but I think they will. And I think we're going to see lots of those things here in the US. So we could see services from in the Great Lakes between states. We could see services to Canada, between US and Canada. We could see more international, but definitely smaller scale, which I think is more suited to where global trade is going in general. We've seen since the Great Recession and now with the pandemic, you know, we're seeing trade pa patterns and sourcing changing a lot. A lot of you know, onshoring, reshoring, nearshoring, a lot more emphasis on last mile. I mean, what's happened with home delivery of, of goods has just been explosive since we've all been stuck in our houses more during the pandemic. And I think yeah. all of that yeah. bodes well for, in the US at least, and in US and Canada, North America, for maritime that's just used a lot more creatively than it has been in, in the past. And, and I think the days of, of, you know, massive growth, three, four, five, 8% growth in you know, Asia to the US and Asia to Europe, yeah, I think those days are over. Nobody's really predicting that kind of growth in those trades anymore. I mean, it doesn't mean that there isn't gonna be trading, but I think the length of hauls are gonna get shorter. I think the size of shipment sizes are going to start getting smaller. I think definitely closer to the consumer and all those all those trends. So it seems like you're saying that these services are going to get a little bit less hub and spoke and more boutique, and in some instances localized in order to fit the needs and be able to and be able to be more responsive to changes. What we've seen with, with COVID has done is definitely strained supply lines for various reasons, but the ones that have, have and the companies that have been able to really thrive and survive have been the ones that know to be most more responsive to those changes, whether it's sourcing or whether it's being able to retool or or all these kind of things. I think shipping as we look at it it's going to follow a similar path when we talk about shifting the trade winds are shifting that that will be regionally and, and locally as well yeah i really agree with that i mean i think peak globalization as we knew it is over and it was largely driven by labor costs i mean the reason there was so much sourcing out of low labor cost places around the globe was because that factor was the driver. And I think that is shifting now yeah. because a lot of those places, labor costs are going up as, as they were inevitably going to do. China and other places in Southeast Asia, even Latin America. So now I think we're gonna see other factors start to become more important. And that's gonna change where where production occurs, and that's going to change um, uh, maritime shipping, which is good. I mean, I think it's it's a mature industry and pretty ripe for some disruption and innovation because that will just create more value and better service for for us as as the end consumers. So, you know, the question is, can can we position our port? Can the port of Cleveland play a role? 
And I'm pretty optimistic that even though we kind of missed out on the mega ship era, I think there's a better and a different future for for shipping and trade that's coming. And, and we intend to be well positioned for it here. I think that is right. And I think about the Great Lakes and uh, specifically, you know, some of the things we've done at Cleveland with, you know, embarking on a full-scale containerized shipping service, scheduled shipping service, and then also just some of our partners, Cleveland, like Logistics Economic Tracks, disruption and, and the change. I think we're well-suited for that. I think uh, just as a region, I think, you know, we, we have the population, we have the we have the economics, we have the consumers, we have the manufacturers. And so I think any disruption in that should benefit you know, the North Coast, which is the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River. We certainly have a port that really has all the right ingredients in place. You mentioned Logistech, our criminal operator, and they've got a great network of sales and marketing people and other terminals around the Great Lakes, St. Lawrence River, into the East Coast and the Gulf Coast of the U.S. We now have Omnitracks connecting us to the rail network much more effectively than previously uh, we've got the really the best infrastructure here on the great lakes with with our port infrastructure we've been systematically rehabilitating our docks and adding rail track and rail capacity new cranes modernizing our gate which is a project that's underway right now all these things technology very important critically important you know we're putting in place the technology platform because trade is becoming digitized like everything else and going to be really important to be able to facilitate that side of the of the business so customs and border clearance we're the only port on the great lakes which has been approved by customs and border protection for international containers so you know we really are out, out ahead right now and we really want to exploit that and double down on um, the investments we've been we've been making. We have a great location. The map is the map. Nobody's going to take that away from us. We're positioned well to get to all these major markets and serve as a as a gateway. So we're poised. And you know, I think once the economy comes back, nobody knows when, but it will. Demand starts to come back to where it should be. We're gonna, we're going to be in a really good place. I hear you. I hear you. I, I do believe that as well. And, and I think when when we're looking at competition, when getting cargo and things like that, it's being ready. Like you said, it's it's having the infrastructure, but it's also having that sort of vision, having a sort of vision in which, you know, what does the future look like 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? At a time when, you know, we're no longer the ones calling the shots here at, at the Port of Cleveland, but how is that next stage of leadership? How is that next stage of shippers going to be able to engage the asset that we have here, which is a port, which is the Great Lakes in general, which is the St. Lawrence Seaway and being able to move people and goods out. But Will, I want to thank you for coming in to the CEO Corner today. It's great to be back on, uh, on Great Lakes Forward and look forward to doing it again. Cleveland is one of the largest ports on the Great Lakes. Over 20,000 jobs and $3.5 billion in annual economic activity are tied to roughly 13 million tons of cargo that move through Cleveland Harbor each year. The Port of Cleveland is the only local government agency 
whose sole mission is to spur job creation and economic vitality in Cuyahoga County and Northeast Ohio. Porter is the economic engine for the community, a key to Northeast Ohio's global competitiveness, and a crucial partner in building Cuyahoga County's future. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at, at Porter Cleveland. And on LinkedIn, you can find us at our official name, which is the Cleveland Cuyahoga County Port Authority. Follow us there and also subscribe to this podcast. Technical support and audio production provided by Shark and Minnow. Great Lakes Forward is sponsored by Logistech, the terminal operator of the Port of Cleveland.